Are you tired of hearing people complain about the world and ready to own the responsibility to make the world a better place? Hey, my name is Brent Simpson and welcome to this episode of Creating the Future. I believe that within each of us is a yearning to make the world a better place. So let's work together and make that desire a reality. My hope is that today's conversation inspires you as you endeavor to create the future. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Creating the Future. Uh, super excited for the conversation we get to bring you today. Uh, you know, when we talk about creating the future, so much of it really revolves around controlling a narrative or telling a story. It's been said that he who tells the best story wins or he who uh, controls the narrative wins. Storytelling is so important with so many things, vision casting and, and teaching people. And storytelling is just essential to creating the future. And today on the podcast, we get to have Bob Rose with us, who is a documentary maker. He's made several here recently. Very interesting podcast. You're going to get to hear his story of how he got involved, what his creative process is, things he's learned along the way. And I hope that all of us can become uh, better storytellers. And so without further ado, we want to turn it over to the conversation with Bob. But leading into that, let's hear a quick clip uh, from Instaband, one of his most uh, uh, recent documentaries. For sure. I don't really think anybody knows what they're doing. You can have conversations with label executives and they're still just like, oh, we're just trying to find the next big thing. Nobody knows what that is. Streaming has reshaped the music industry. It's also been a major catalyst for growth. Streaming is the only part of the music industry seeing revenue growth. It used to be hard to uh, make sure your CDs are in distribution and all that. Now, you could put a song out and it could be streamed 60 million times. We all know what that is. It's Spotify, it's Apple Music, it's iTunes, it's, it's Pandora, it's all these things. Hey guys, I'm so excited to be with you and uh, an amazing guest today, Bob Rose, who is a, a film documentary maker and uh, just has a really cool story. I've known Bob for a little while uh, through our church and his family a little bit and uh, just want to kind of open up the uh, conversation with Bob by just talking about, you know, first of all, how did you even get into this, this filmmaking industry? It's not like something that everybody's in. I mean, that's pretty, pretty unusual. Yeah, so uh, I mean, filmmaking or working with cameras was something that in retrospect I saw I was always around. I mean, I was doing, I was very early VHS kid, you know, so <laughs> in sixth grade, I did my first video through school uh, and kind of I noticed I would do, anytime I could do a video project for, for school, I would do that. Yeah. And, and that was just kind of like a hobby, but really it clicked for me in college. Uh, I was halfway through college and totally almost failing out because I was just trying to take things that I thought would make money versus things that I was passionate about. I was the first kid in my um, family that went to college. Mm -hmm. So I didn't equate passion with job. I equated oh, college makes money. What right. can I do to make right. money? Right. So I'm not using my back. So anyhow, it was actually um, all my time off that I got a, a camera at a pawn shop and made my first little cheesy like horror movie or something with my with my little sister. And my mom said, hey, you should take that in school. And I was like, whoa, light went off. Yeah. Back to school, straight A's from there on out. And it's all, I mean, I, the passion for that has not, it's not dipped at all. I mean, recently, I mean, I'm 24 years into my career and uh, this, this recent movie making stuff I'm doing has made my passion bigger than ever. 
Yeah, that's, that's awesome. When, when you started out, was that VHS like when you were in college or was it digital already? Oh, no, no. So yeah, did, the VHS stuff was like, well, you know, VHS stuck around for a while, but right, right, my first cameras was those big ones. And yeah. I remember the early stuff, you had to actually have it plugged into like a TV uh-huh. to even yeah. use it. I mean, uh, you know, so I was right there from the beginning. Um, my mom got one of those cameras right when I started high school. And that was the first time I had access to one like yeah. all the time. So I was totally that kid that runs around and commentates on everything he shoots and is trying to be funny. And uh, I just loved it. I mean, um, you know, me and my brother, we grew up a lot on television because my mom was a single parent. So taking this career path was a way to justify all those hours and hours and hours I spent yeah. in front of television. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. When, when uh, you know, being in ministry for so long, and especially youth pastor early on, we had VHS cameras and we would make little movies and little silly things for the youth ministry. And it was literally like, all right, pause it. You know, everybody get in a new spot, you know, record yeah. I mean, until it went digital, it was so much harder to actually, you know, export all that into a computer and do any actual editing. Now, I mean, now you have amazing programs that just come with a computer, iMovie and things like that. But, you know, obviously not to your level. So, all right. So, so talk to us about the um, creative process. So you have Functional Fitness and Instaband, kind of your two big documentaries that you've made. Would you call those documentaries or docudramas? How would you refer to those? I would call it a documentary. I think docudrama is kind of starting to be reserved more for like a, a documentary series. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they are definitely, you know, there's a lot, I guess there's drama in in most documentaries. So it definitely touches on that. But yeah, the first one focused on CrossFit. Um, That's just kind of where I world I was in at that time. And, and, you know, I saw that there wasn't uh, my creative process. I guess what you're asking is how do I come up with the ideas to these? Yeah. yeah. What's your creative process? You know, how did you come up with those ideas? Yeah. So kind of what I do is I, I reverse engineer from, a potential audience. Hmm. So what I do is I look and I see that there's a vacancy. There's a, a big passionate audience about this one thing. Yeah. And if I can find that and the passion means that they talk about it all the time, they spend money on a lot of products with that. <laughs> and it just becomes a lifestyle type thing for them. It's crossfit. Uh, <laughs> crossfit perfect. Right. right, right. And then, then the, the, the other side of that is that there's not a lot of stuff out already about it. And when I did functional fitness, there was one crossfit movie at the time. Yeah. It was all about the crossfit games, but there was nothing just about the day-to-day crossfitter. Yeah, so so that's when I was like, boom. And so I literally just started shooting where I was going to the gym and, and filmed a few other places, but just really around this area. Um, so that, that's what happened there. And that worked really well because, um, people either hate it or love CrossFit. And if you get that, you, you've got to win, you know, because most of the people that if they hate it that much, they're still going to watch it. So they, I mean, I got some really bad um, comments from some people on my YouTube <laughs> posts and things like that. Yeah. But, uh, but I did really well with it. So, um, and then the same thing with, with uh, Instaband. Uh, well, Instaband came about because I had learned so much about, this new way of filmmaking where these, these barriers are down. You actually can, I can, I made this movie functional fitness all by myself with just a little camera and got it on Netflix. And I had to learn a lot about this new way of filmmaking with distribution and kind of building your brand. And and I had a a lot of knowledge from podcasts and books. So I was like, how can I turn this into a movie? And so I was originally going to do something on like filmmaking. One guy's filmmaker, one person's a musician, and one person's maybe a comedian or a motivational speaker. They all do very similar things in how they promote themselves and whatnot. 
And then once we did our first day shoot for uh, with a musician, I instantly knew at that point it should just be all about music. Um, they, to me, musicians, when we talk about this digital stream of there's no physical products, yeah. I dealt with that. I'm not making much on DVDs anymore, you know. Right, right, right. Um, they, they, they're like the, the, the best example of that. Plus, everybody loves music. Music documentaries is on my checklist. And uh, um, you just get an opportunity to see all these different genres of music as well. So it was just a win for me on that. Plus, this was a topic that had not been explored whatsoever. It's the biggest change in the music industry since the music industry happened. And what I'm talking about is music streaming and an effect on the music artists now that nobody's buying these overly priced $20 CDs. How does this, right. how are they making their money? And so that really is all I knew at that point. And I don't like to know a lot about it when I go in because that's part of the process for me is discovery. And we have an idea, but then it becomes its own thing as through the process. And one shoot leads to another that leads to this person. And, and that's our favorite part, honestly. I don't want to know what it is. I kind of want to figure it out or let the movie tell me what it is. Mm -hmm. and that's, kind of, that's kind of how we do it. I mean, we're filming another documentary right now. And it was like, well, there's nothing about this right now. And of course, now with the pandemic, it affects any idea of any project you might have. So now that's a story in itself. Now we're like, okay, how do we make shows that not only um can be filmed during the pandemic but maybe our that's a storyline element so we lean into it you know and that's that's pretty much how we do it you know but the main thing start out with your audience who are the people going to watch this you don't have to appeal to everybody right. you just need to really make it for this one niche audience mm -hmm. that you know we're going to see it and then if it appeals to a few more people after that you've got to win yeah Let's talk about those two uh, documentaries real quick for a second. Functional Fitness first and then Instagram, Instabant. Um, so with Functional Fitness, I think this is pretty cool. So you mixed into the documentary the proposal for marriage to, to your wife, Margie, right? T yeah. Tell us about that. How did that happen that it ended up part of the, the movie, so to speak? Sure, sure. So yeah, so um, I'm very much, there's not much of a dividing line between my work and my personal life. Right. Um, both of my children, I can connect to projects you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so instant um, functional fitness was no different. I met my wife, Margie, uh, while I was filming the movie. If it wasn't for the movie, I would have never met her. So, so the last day of filming, we were filming at our, our uh, big opening at our CrossFit box. And I was going to give a speech to everyone who was in the movie. Hey, thanks guys. This has been a wonderful process. Last day of shooting type of thing. So I use that as my catalyst to propose to Margie um, because all these people in the movie, like, I mean, these people were all at our wedding. Right. Um, and I think so. Yeah. So if you watch, if you watch functional fitness, which is on Amazon prime right now, so you can watch it for free. Even if you don't watch the whole movie, definitely skip to the end, uh, past the credits and you'll see me propose to Margie and you'll see even a clip of, uh, of us walking down the aisle. I don't know. Do, are you in there back in the back anywhere? Have you seen that? I, I don't Did you know that. Did you know that it's at the end of the credits? Yeah, no, I didn't know it was there. No. Yeah, yeah. So it's a. Uh, I asked the distributor. They were like, hey, "It's your movie. You can do whatever you want." I was like, "Okay." So I dedicated the movie to Margie, and then I showed the proposal, and it cuts straight to us walking down the aisle. That's and, so cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that was um, that was the best part of that movie for me. Um, yeah. That movie changed my life forever.
Yeah, you know, yeah. and I even did a behind the scenes on the movie and I talk about it quite a bit. So <laughs> I'll send you that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, uh, so, all right. So that's functional fitness. Then Instaband uh, has some really unique elements in it. It seems like that um, it's kind of like the, the do it yourself world that we live in now where the middleman is disappearing in a lot of ways. Uh, as, a, as an author myself, like I see it a lot in the publishing industry where you don't really need a publisher like you used to. You used to need a publisher in order to get your, your book out there. Nowadays, because of the internet, you can get it out there right away. Uh, the music industry has also radically, radically sh- changed. Like you were talking about, you don't go to, to specs or, or wherever like we used to to go buy your CD. Now, you know, it's all going to be automatic downloads and, and right there on your fingertips on Spotify or, or whatever on YouTube. And uh, so it obviously changed everything. So that's kind of what your documentary is about, as I understand it. So talk about that. And, and what was like a big takeaway that you had from Instaband and kind of what you learned, you know, looking behind the scenes? Yeah, so that is one of the biggest things that, that you know, I don't know if today's youth really understand the opportunities. And, you know, every generation says that. Our yeah. parents said it to us. Right, right. But to me, with with because you and I didn't have the internet when we were super young. Yeah. Um, the, the internet and, and, and these gatekeepers are all, there's no gatekeepers right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can just put your stuff out there, go on YouTube. You'll see everybody's putting their content out, but there's a flip side to that coin. And that is the, the struggle we all have. I, I have it with promoting my movie is yes, you can put all these things out, but so can everybody else. So we're dealing with a massive amount of oversaturation of content in all areas, in music, in movies, in television shows, in any sort of media. Um, I mean, I'm, I, except for maybe magazines. I don't know how many people are still reading those. But, um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's the tough part um, is how do you rise to the top? How do you cut through all that noise? Yeah. And now in the pandemic, it's even worse because now everybody is at home or a lot more people are at, at home. And they're all on TikTok and all on all these, you know, I mean, this is something that um, I've interviewed the uh, music artist post movie about the pandemic. One of the big things they said is now it's tougher for them because everybody's at home working and they're not only competing with other artists, but they're competing with grandma who -hmm. just staying in the kitchen who got more views than them because it's cute and there's a dog or whatever, you know? Um, so yeah, that's tough. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um, you know, and, and there's always a new platform. And so you just have to have to know that you are constantly going to be adapting. You're going to constantly be learning some new thing. Yeah. And this isn't like a, Hey, this is what I do. And this is how I'm going to do things. If you're yeah. promoting yourself, you, you have to adapt and you have to be with the times because these people who jump on these new platforms and really get in it before everybody else gets in it Mm -hmm. they're the ones that are killing it you know it almost seems like you know when when you and i were younger we would joke about people who were one hit wonders right there's all these people that had one big hit you never heard of them ever again nowadays it almost seems like that's the norm because you can get the one hit wonder it seems like it's almost impossible to stay at top uh, once you get there because because it's so saturated like you said everybody's out there and everybody's putting it out and everybody's got a great song or a great whatever and uh so it's really seems to me as an outsider like it's really difficult to stay on top and there's going to be more one hit wonders than ever uh, yeah. because of that yeah yeah you know the thing is is you know well like on the side of the music industry everything has changed like you and i 
when's the last time you had a conversation with somebody about this new album? Like right. nobody even talks about an album and you know why? Because they're not coming out near as much. The closest thing, and this is something we discovered through the movie, the closest thing you get to that from a music artist is to call the EP, which mm -hmm. is like three to five songs, not a full album, three to five. And you know what? That EP is after. So this is like kind of how most music artists do now is to keep that interest. And you say like, stay on top. You have to have your stuff all lined up so you can release a song, right. let that ride before it quite dies down. You jump in another song and, and you try to overlap them in a way that you're keeping people's interest while you're communicating with your fans and doing all this stuff. Uh, and then after you have like five songs, then you're like, hey, I have an EP out and there's one more new song on it. You know, they're constantly having to do this. Yeah. Um, it's almost like the music equivalent of muscle confusion. You know, you have to just constantly be there's if you do a formula or if you do a pattern, it's just not going to work. Right. Because they just algorithms and people, they just don't, it doesn't fly, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, uh, you know, with these, these artists that I interviewed, they're all kind of like what you would call middle tier artists. Yeah. Uh, and we did that because these are the people that are really kind of doing it mm -hmm. and they're making a living, a lot of them, but they're not getting rich but they're in the weeds. They're doing all this stuff themselves. They're not dealing with, oh, this person handles my social media and I've got, you know, they've got a team. Yeah, yeah. But like even in the pandemic, there are no teams. <laughs> <laughs> you are the team because you know, it's everything. You've got to cut costs, you got to cut people. So it's, it's the biggest hustle right yeah. now um, for, for, I mean, I guess for almost everybody right now, but musicians, they're, they're really, having a hard time right now finding their place and music venues are closing down. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's, it's tough. And I do think that this pandemic, I don't think the music industry is ever going to be the same. I don't think the film industry is going to ever be the same, mm -hmm. but for us, from our standpoint, that sounds really doom and gloom, but in my opinion, and from what I've seen and you look at trends, some of the biggest innovations and biggest new things come out of the biggest uh, yeah. big downwards in our society. I mean, I don't think that there is a coincidence that Netflix started to get really big when we dealt with the big depression of 2008. Yeah. And that time when everybody, all the money and all the houses and all that, and then this little guy Netflix comes in just like blows up. I was new technology. It was new ability to watch things at home. People want to stay more at home because they don't have money. There's going to be a new thing, yeah. I think, um, for, for all these things. You know, I think yeah. the interesting part is some of the innovations that are coming out of something like this. And I think we're seeing that in all um, areas of, of career right. paths or whatnot. Well, that's the old saying that's out there is that cradle is the, uh, I'm sorry, crisis is the cradle of innovation. Yeah, and you hear people say that because it's true. In the middle of crisis, there's some people that are going to die off, and some some innovations of the past that will die off, and then there's others that are going to come right behind it. And and I agree with you. I've been saying for actually probably four or five months as I'm trying to project and see where the future is going to look that I think movie theaters are one of the things that are going to radically shift um, because you're going to have more you know video on demand VOD uh, you know coming our way. And once again, as the middleman in America kind of disappears, there's no reason that these Hollywood people can't send it directly to your house. And movie theaters may not completely disappear, but you could rent the movie at your house for 20 bucks and save a lot more than those high prices of going to the theater, make your own popcorn. And then I, in my opinion, I think theaters are going to end up becoming more uh, 
more about a, more about an experience, which they already are now, but even yeah, that's for me what it is. Yeah. yeah, more about dinner and all that where the theater mixes it all together. And it's not just a movie. It's all of the experience of what's happening around you. And, and then they continue to go up in price too, but you almost end up with the traditional movie theater that you and I grew up going to. I mean, it, to me, it'll be kind of like a drive-in theaters. Like they'll still be there, um, but it won't be the, the norm necessarily. So. Well, that's a great example there. I mean, listen, I've, I've been following the slow demise of the drive-in theater for years. I've seen some really good documentaries on it. I'm a big fan of the history of a drive-in theater. Yeah. And now they are exploding. Right, right, right. And, and they're doing concerts there. One of the artists that is uh, the, uh, Paul McDonald that's in the movie, he did a concert at a drive-in theater. And instead yeah. of applause, people are honking. Right. Um, so, you know, I mean, you know, for us going into this pandemic, we... I, I, I went from the best year financially I've ever had and best achievements in, in, in movies and all this kind of stuff that I've ever had in my career to the worst that yeah. I've ever had, like as far as financially, like great, nothing. <laughs> so our goal is like, I told her, Isaac, told my wife that um, our goal with all the stuff we're working on and just trying to stay busy and trying to bring out new projects is I want to come out of this uh, greater as far as in we're, we're talking career, but also um, in our personal life, you know, then, then I was going into it, you know, like financially, we're not doing near as good this year, but me and my wife have an amazing relationship and has improved greatly right. uh, because I'm not traveling all the time and, and we really worked on our relationship. So I think you just got to like lean into the opportunities and the things that are available and yeah. not focus on the things that you can't do, you know? Yeah. That's how we've looked at it. That's why we're making a lot of documentaries now that kind of fo not focus or are greatly affected by the pandemic because now we don't have to kind of stray away from it. We're leaning into it. Mm -hmm. All right, let me ask you a tough one. Uh, apart from your proposal to Margie, uh, what's your favorite moment uh, during your documentary process with, you know, dealing with a lot of different people, a lot of different stories, do you have like a, a moment that you look back on? And I know that's a tough one to put you on the spot with. I didn't tell you that one before, but a moment that you're like, wow, this was, this was something special that I just got to witness and be a part of. Okay. Yeah. So I'll give you two and okay. one deals with production and one deals with editing um, okay. because those are two flip sides to the coin that I enjoy immensely and they're completely different for me, but these feelings are similar. So, and Margie and I deal with this quite a bit. Um, we always talk right after a shoot. Um, and so every once in a while you go in there and you're filming something or you're filming an interview and you don't have any idea what's going to happen and something magical happens. Something mm -hmm. happens that kind of steers the ship a little bit this way. And now the movie's becoming something different that we didn't even anticipate. Yeah. That feeling is amazing. And that's why I like documentary. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like having a script. I don't like having to, I don't want to know what happens. Um, so that discovery process and then I think on the flip side of that is when I do my first couple of edits on a scene, um, usually kind of earlier in on the editing process. And I, I fall into a scene that I'm like, wow, this, and I get the chills um, mm -hmm. when I watch it back. Or if it's an emotional part and it actually makes me tear up. For me to tear up a little bit on my own work, yeah. it happens very seldom, but it does happen. And it happens almost on every movie project at least once. Definitely happened a few times on Functional Fitness. So those two ones, and that's, I think it all comes to, oh, wow, I just created something 
and I, I felt like I wasn't necessarily driving the whole time. It just kind of came together. And now like in the edit, it's like when I watch it back and I feel like I'm watching something I haven't, even though I worked on it all day, I watch it back and I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen this before. You yeah. know, I'm watching somebody else's work. Uh, and that's exciting to me. That's what keeps me going. That's, that's beautiful, man. That's the, that's the beauty of creating something. Yeah. So if, if people want to get a hold of you or see more of your work, see Instagram, functional fitness, or any of the other things that you've done, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. So my handle, uh, I think on all platforms is Bob Rose TV. Um, there's a few Bob Roses out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, for, for, uh, Instagram, if, I mean, if you want to watch functional fitness, it's been out for a while. It's on Amazon Prime. Look it up. It's if you own it, it's free to watch. Yeah. Uh, and Instaban, it came out this summer. It's on uh, digital rental and and purchase. Uh, and you can get it. The main two are, are, are your Amazon Prime. I mean, you actually can order Blu-ray on Amazon if you like physical media. I have one. <laughs> um, and and uh, iTunes. Those are the two main. But anywhere you might rent or buy a digital film, you can get it. You know, Fandango, okay. Voodoo xbox wherever um and the handle for instaban is instaban movie and that's on all uh social platforms and we are we're kind of gearing up to do an instaban series so this instaban thing is going to be an ongoing thing we're really trying to build uh uh intellectual property with it and something that can really kind of live past this one movie so that's a really if you're into music you like music documentaries anything like that then you know get Give us a follow and you'll see all this new stuff we have coming out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Love it. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. I think there is truly something beautiful out of the creation process uh, where you take something and you tell a story and you make something beautiful. And so thanks, Bob, for being a part of, of making the world a better place and creating the future. And thank you for being on this podcast with us today. Thank you for, I appreciate the time, man. I listen, I've done a ton of interviews on this press tour. This is one of the most special ones to me because I mean, I don't know if your audience knows, but to have the person who married me and my wife give yeah. me an interview about a movie, it's, just, it's, a, it's an awesome experience. So thanks for having me on. Well, well, you do a great job, man. And I hope, hope lots of people watch your work and, and I hope the, the work that you do in the future is even better and, and continues to progress. Awesome, thank you, man. The whole premise of this movie is how can CrossFit change your life? How has CrossFit changed the lives of these people in the movie? Well, it came back to me because CrossFit has changed my life forever. I met my wife in like the third or fourth day of filming. I met her at one of the shoots. And we dated throughout the process. The last day of filming, uh, I actually proposed to her at the gym, last scene cut the cameras, make a speech to the whole crew and cast, and then I proposed to my wife there. In the place that brought us together and amongst all our friends. Will you make me the happiest man in the world? Will you marry me? And uh, we're married now, and gosh, I think half the wedding was CrossFitters, so. CrossFit has changed my life forever.
I hope you enjoyed this conversation today, and I especially hope it added value to you. If you enjoyed it, would you do me a favor and give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider? It really helps to get the word out. And of course, if you share this content with your friends, that would be great too. And until next time, I hope you continue creating a better future. I look forward to being with you again soon.